So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to Love After Lockup, haha, okay. I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be talking about Life After Lockup, Season 3, Episode 11. This week, Chevelle traps Quaylen on a Ferris wheel, Brittany and Marcelino and the whole gang trek up to Alaska, John tries to remain faithful to Christiana, Scott predicts Lindsay will be back in prison soon, Andrea tries to mend fences with Shantae, Lacey and Sean throw around the idea of getting stronger locks and doors just in case John wants to Kool-Aid man out. If you like what you hear, please support us by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating or any other constructive comments are welcome. And if you watch 90 Day Fiance, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Quick note that there is no new episode on that channel this week since there was no new episode on Sunday. We'll be back next week with a new podcast episode on both channels. Thanks, stay safe, and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are you? I am doing okay. It's just another manic Monday, I guess. Just getting through. Yeah, just getting through Mondays. We are short one show today. We didn't, we're yes. only doing one podcast this week because of that, you know, game yesterday. So oh, we only got the yeah. one there Friday night. So we're going to, I don't know. At least getting through something, getting through these Mondays with this with this podcast. That's what we always do, right? <laughs> right, right. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, let's get started with Scott and Lindsay. So Scott tells us that he didn't really believe that Lindsay was a hardened criminal. But after the whole office tossing event, he asked her to leave and she basically said no. He says he's not worried about it because traditionally people who get out of prison usually go back. So he's counting on the fact that she'll be back in prison. Oh, he estimates in about a month. And maybe Scott is psychic after all, as next we get a recorded phone call from Lindsay from prison saying she was picked up by the U.S. Marshal because of a probation violation. She claims she was test driving a car and then she was pulled over by a cop and they searched it to find drugs and weapons. She is in trouble, even though she is insistent that the car was not hers. She's facing up to five more years in prison. She sends a message that she is so sorry to Miley Grace. She sends a message to Scott that he is the worst person she's ever met, and she can't see what she ever saw in him. She can see now why he's 52 and single, and she would rather have a pap smear and a root canal at the same time than ever see his face again. Scott says, well, he tried it out. It didn't work, but he had, quote, fun learning, unquote, as he has this really creepy grin. Mm. Okay, so Scott didn't seem to sweat the fact that Lindsay refused to move out. And he was pretty much banking on the fact that she was going to go back to prison, which to me seemed really suspicious, especially given what she claims her version of events. Yeah. Do you think that Scott had anything to do with Lindsay going back you to prison? I think he set her up? I don't yeah. actually, because I don't think, I think it was um, past the point where she would be able, she would trust him. Like, I don't know how she could, how he could set her up. Oh, easy. Say, okay, um, I I have a friend who is trying to sell a car. I'm not talking to your friends. I'm just saying, like, if I had a friend, <laughs> I would have my friend post on whatever she's, like, looking at. So if it's their Craigslist, the Facebook Marketplace, uh-huh. uh, you know, do a really cheap deal, one that would catch her eye, and then have that friend plant drugs and weapons in that vehicle – and then also conveniently call the police and say that it's potentially stolen. It seems that seems I don't know. It seems too risky. I think I think he was because especially the way it went down last time. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was because he was very confident. He was like, whatever. I don't care. He was like, you're going back to jail. Like it was he interesting also, timing. However, he might have been com- he might have been confident because he knew she was running drugs and dope. <laughs> Already, oh God, maybe. and was like, "You're going back to jail, lady." Like, I'm not going to put it out there on the TV show, but I know, I, I know what you're doing. Oh, <laughs> this gosh. is because, and I just thought it was especially interesting when last time she was like, "He's playing chess, and I'm playing 5D chess. I'm so many moves ahead of him." <laughs> and the idea of it, like, he set her up and gets her back to jail, is kind of like, "Oh, huh, so many moves ahead of him, right?" Right, right. He tried to make it seem like he's just sitting back and like watching the shit show go down, but 
Oh, he's so creepy. Oh, like, no, we the don't way like him. About, no, oh, no, 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 I don't like him at all. After he was talking about Lindsay, like, oh, you know, I was giving her the benefit of the doubt. Well, at least I had fun learning. It's just like, ew, gross. Everything about you, gross. Everything about it was, like, very gross. Like, yes. And especially because the way they interspliced it with him, like, getting in the tub with her. It's like, you know, ugh. like, ugh. Because, okay, I mean, we went through that because it was a long time before they had sex. They probably only had sex a handful of times anyway. Oh, sure, sure. I'm sure. But, you know, the thing is, is it then reminds you of the first time we met Scott and how creepy he was about, oh, you know, like, uh, yeah, I'm dating someone much younger, but every other 50-year-old guy is, like, jealous of what I have. It's like, were they? Because we thought that at the time. They're all jealous of... That pile of crazy that carved something into your desk and dumped everything God. on the floor? Like, well, I mean, he he was under the impression that everyone was jealous of him. Everyone was jealous of her. That's why she was always in trouble. Yeah, he was always, but she was always in trouble because of jealousy. That that's, makes a lot of sense. That, But he was. He was like, yo, because, pe- because she makes people so jealous, it just gets her into trouble all the time. <laughs> Whatever, idiot. <laughs> right. I mean, so it seems like we're done with them, right? They're just, they're done. So I wonder how close we're getting towards the end of the season because they're, that's it. Maybe that's why we got the John and Christiana because that storyline was ending. Oh, I know. One person goes back in, someone comes out, you know. That's what I'm saying. Makes sense. All right. So speaking of that, let's just go to John and Christiana then. So it's three weeks until Christiana's release and, you know, John is blaming their unique situation about for why things are heating up with Tara. Drive, John drives to see his friend Carrie, and he, his Bonnie and Clyde sticker now is on the back of a Firebird instead of on the back of a pickup truck. And they talk the situation over while they're cleaning up some rocks. John admits that he likes the attention of Tara's flirting, and he's feeling guilty about having temptations, because after all, he's still human. Carrie says that this isn't exactly new territory for John, and of course, one mistake can really blow up in his face. Carrie hears a little about what John is doing to not so subtly invite the flirtations and says, man, if you don't cut it out, you're going to end up fucking this girl. (laughs) Carrie reminds him of the promises he made during the wedding ceremony and what this means in terms of following the red road. And John says that throwing that away for 30 seconds of pleasure... It's stupid. <laughs> Carrie tells oh, poor, oh, wow. poor Christiana. <laughs> Carrie tells him that if you can't have your cake and eat it too with both of them, and John is like, "Oh yeah, I know all about that because you know that one time I married my wife's cousin." Oh god. Producers then ask him if he's ever cheated in the past, and John tells us that he's batting a thousand. He's cheated in every single relationship he's ever been in. Oh my gosh. So in the next scene, John is on a boat in his garage. And he's trying to fix it up because Christiana always dreamed of having a boat. He tells us that since the weird almost kiss last episode, he and Tara haven't really been talking. But then Christiana calls while he's there and and she has some great news. She's getting out in two days and can get paroled directly to John's house and doesn't have to go to the halfway house. John is happy, but then immediately recognizes the problem. He's going to have to cease and desist all of this flirting nonsense with Tara because if any of that gets to Christiana, it's going to be big trouble, of course. But things just keep coming up, John, because the conditions of the parole says that Christiana can't live with Tara since Tara has pending charges. So now Tara has to move out and the flirting situation just goes away, or so he <laughs> thinks. But now John has to tell Tara and, mommy, and mom Tammy about what he just heard from Christiana. He makes everyone sits down and tells them that Christy is getting out in two days, which is Coincidentally, Tammy's birthday. Uh, until it gets to the bad part. Tara is excited that, you know, um, Christiana is going to help her not use anymore. But then John just comes out and is like, oh, yeah, by the way, you have to move out. <laughs> and she thinks she thinks that this isn't really the rules of the court, but just an excuse for John to get her out of the way because of the flirting. Mm. And we're saying keep saying the flirting in quotes, right? Yeah, they both right. seem to blame him for not really having an answer of uh, where she should go since he doesn't have money for a nearby apartment. And he says he feels guilty about kicking her out. But he would. Th- but this would probably prolong Christiana finding out about this whole inappropriate situation. However, Tara just tells us right up top that she's going to tell Christiana as soon as she gets out because she <laughs> deserves to know. 
So I don't know what what made John. I feel like this is kind of a big you know character flaw for him. Like Mm -hmm. he really thought like this is gonna work. It'll prolong. Christiana won't find out right away if I just kick Tara out. Like that's perfect, and it's not even my fault. He like why does he think this is a good plan? Well, okay, so. this is based on the assumption that they really haven't taken it further, right? Yes. So if that's the case, he could very easily say, well, nothing happened, right? Because, like, physically, maybe nothing happened. And then she's not there to kind of witness this flirty, you know, sexual tension that's going on. Uh-huh. And so, you know, if she were to ever confront him, is there anything going on with you and my sister? No. And that would be, in his mind, the truth. The truth. Uh-huh. But she wouldn't see the, you know, maybe borderline gray area inappropriateness that's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's shading to a pretty, like, dark shade of gray here. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> about gray areas. Because, like, because we go back to what, like, he said with Carrie when they were talking about, like, what mm-hmm. have you been doing? He's like, well, you know, I do little things. Like, we play grab ass and I, like, steal her phone and hide it from her. And she has Which to come and tell me what it is. Which like, last week's situation, right, when she was, like, giving him a pat down because she's like, did you steal my phone? And he's like, no. And, like, trying to, like, act all innocent. Like, why would I ever take your phone? The man is 50, right? Or yeah. close to it, right? Yeah, 47, what, I think. What kind of middle school bullshit is like, I stole your phone. Are you oh, going to come God. get it back for me? <laughs> like, that's like well, that's sixth the kind grade of flirting nonsense, you right? have when you're trying to not look like you're flirting. Which is what middle schoolers do, right? Right, as an adult. Because when you're a kid, it's kind of like, that's all you really know. When yes. you're older, flirting looks a lot different. It should. I yeah. but Let's hope so. Yes. I don't want right. people bra strap snapping and things in oh, terms of flirting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh pulling hair oh god yes like just like stupid kid stuff like they inflict pain upon each other to be like that's because i like you and i wanted your attention oh but, gosh yeah but i mean this is just like and especially when you're like i just think if you were john you're like wow i've never not cheated in a relationship like do you yeah a why are you getting into more then? Right. Like, you are. Well, first of all, you're like, okay, so you know this about yourself, that you're not exactly the most faithful person. Why are you putting yourself in really bad positions here? Yes. I mean, it's not unlike you talk about the, the and that, that's what it goes with the addiction and the losers. Not that it is mm-hmm. an addiction because right. I think they took, I think they took sex addiction out of the DSM. God. Like saying it's yeah. not a real thing. Right. 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 But, um, that same idea was like, well, if if this is an issue you have and you have problems with it, why are you like you need to stay out of situations where it becomes a temptation and it becomes an issue? I mean, okay, so he even said it it feels good to flirt with someone. It feels good to get that attention. And I think that's what his problem is, is, you know, it's really hard to stop it just the flirting, because at some point the other person is going to feel the rejection if it doesn't go any further. And sure. then they're gonna stop giving you attention altogether. Like I think in John's ideal world he would always kind of have this like you know little bit of excitement like a will they or won't they like from his perspective he would be like it would just always be getting attention always having someone to flirt with i don't necessarily think for him it is the sex i think it's just the attention that he's getting so he's like just deeply insecure he really needs this attention and it just so happens that you know in order to keep this kind of keep it going you have mm-hmm. to cross the line at some point. And I feel like that's what has happened in his other relationships. But does it surprise you at all? Like, let's remind ourselves, how many times this man has been married? Yeah, what, he five times? Yes, it's been some absurd amount for, considering he was in prison for seven years of his adult life. Right. So we're talking about, like, 15 years of married age? And you've had sure. five wives? Yeah, Oh, no, not five wives, because I think he remarried somebody. Oh, right, right. He married did. five times, but not not five different yeah. people. But like, and that, that does fit in with the married my wife's cousin thing. Like, it's that yeah. definitely, I don't know. He's, I wouldn't say thrill of a chase, because he's not, he doesn't seem like much of a chaser, because it's always just like, who's available nearby? Oh, yeah. It's always, right? But it's definitely a thrill of like, 
that new relationship, the kind of, ooh, this is exciting, this is new, that's, that, you're right, is what he's after. And that's, but he's super lazy about it and just is like, again, whoever's close, like, that'll do. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem with that, and we've talked about this a couple times on this show, is, you know, the, I, my, it's my theory that at some point, love is a choice, you know? At the beginning, yeah, love can be a feeling, right? But that feeling is always going to fade a little bit. And then at that point, what's keeping you together, it's not the feeling. It's got to be a choice. And I think he stays in a relationship until that feeling fades. And then he doesn't choose them anymore and he moves on. Right. I mean, well, it's, it, that feeling has to... I guess it's weird because you're right. That feeling is going to fade regardless. Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of... And you say a choice. And I kind of feel like it's a matter of what you built to replace that feeling. Sure, sure. And I mean, it ebbs and flows. Like maybe sure. you're not feeling so great about this person like now. Or, you know, a little less so. You know, who knows? Like in a six months, maybe something happens where, you know, all of a sudden you're feeling those feelings again. But, you know, it's not like permanent fading or anything like that. But I mean, there's definitely dips in how you feel. I mean, with everything, how you feel about anything is never going to be like, you know, max 100 all the time. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's really sad to me that Tara just doesn't believe John. Like, she yeah. thinks that this is all I mean, a ploy. Makes me really uh, sad. It does, which means that, like, I mean, it's pretty clear that she has a lot of history there of, like, you know, being being manipulated and being lied to. Because yeah. it's also really tough for her. And it's like, I don't know the way they keep making these decisions. Oh, two days. It's like, what? I don't. I can't get a place to stay in two days. I can't. Yeah. Me, I can't get a place to stay in two days. Right. If 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 I was like all the pe- all of my connections, because that's pretty much it. I mean, they were so down. Tammy and Tara were so down that John was the only connection they had left that could replace the stack. Right. So if you took away my last connection, yeah. If I had to move out of here in two days, I could go to my parents. I could cry. I could get my brother, my sister. You know, at least. Until yeah, but she's the living month. with all the family nearby is my guess. Yeah, but that's it. That's all she's got. And so it's hard to to go out and get a place, especially when you have no money and a history and a and a and a um, legal history. Sure. Like to just go out in two days and have a place to stay. That's that's tough. And, you know, honestly, Tara should uh, watch John's interviews and realize she's not really missing out on that much. 30 seconds of pleasure. 30 right. seconds of pleasure. Oh, my God. He said it out loud on TV. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah, okay. I feel like he's that kind of guy that would own his shit, you know? Like, he doesn't seem too embarrassed about anything he's ever done in the past. That is true. But it seems like if if you had your five wives and that you all cheated on all of them, you feel like you could do something better than 30 seconds at this point just, by, just from experience, man. Maybe that's why, like, he has to uh, – move on because it's like that woman's like mm, I'm over it that's <laughs> uh, alright alright later dude <laughs> <laughs> alright uh, let's move on to Shane and Lacey so Shane is still not over Lacey hiding the fact that John is out of prison Shane says he's feeling insecure because Lacey has cheated on him with John in the past Shane is looking to get more locks on the doors because he's feeling that the family safety is at risk since John knows where they live He says it's because John is an addict and because addict behavior can get unpredictable and violent when drugs are involved. But Lacey thinks that Shane is just being paranoid. Shane is feeling extra protective since Lacey is also pregnant. John is meeting up with Miranda, Lacey's friend. The three of them went to high school together and John is hoping to get some answers from Miranda, like if Lacey really did call the cops on John that fateful night. Meanwhile, Lacey tells us that she supports getting a stronger door because she's had a protective order in place on John in the past. She's concerned that he could turn violent and he knows where she lives. John meets up with Miranda and he jumps right in and asks about what happened that night he went back to prison. Miranda says she has no idea if Lacey called the cops, but asks if it really makes a difference. Miranda then tells him that Lacey's pregnant with Shane's kid. John has a moment of disappointment, then kind of just smiles awkwardly. Miranda hopes that knowing she's pregnant will discourage him uh, from trying to get back with Lacey. 
John then recounts how they had gotten pregnant a long time ago and Lacey had a miscarriage, even though he caught himself saying that she had an abortion. He then says how he thought Marlo was his son. He says that he's had his heart broken before, but he still wants answers. All right. Uh, do you think stronger locks and stronger doors are the answer to this problem? Um, obviously not. No, um, I'm like, what the heck? Who cares? What do you think? He's like busting down, kicking down your door. Okay, so yes, there's the, if, if the, in the issue of he's going to show up and be angry and violent and your doors are already locked. You already have yes, a door. Like right. more of a lock isn't moving it that much like i don't don't think think he's not gonna be so like you know hulked out that he's gonna break your door down and if he like kool-aid man style like that's not gonna happen bust through your wall maybe you need to reinforce your walls too yeah yeah he's gonna just come right through the wall um (laughs) no and it's it's i thought it was funny just because um like the way that went down at first and Shane was like, oh, we need stronger doors. Oh, we need this because, because, you know, crazy addict John might show up and start going, going crazy. And Lacey was like, that's ridiculous. And then later was like, yeah, he's totally showed up at my house acting crazy before. And I think he might try to get him like, okay, so he wasn't being ridiculous then. <laughs> like, right. So. But I think like the idea is if you're locked inside your house, like what are people really going to do? And uh, okay, specifically for me, my concern would not be the door. My concern would be the windows. windows. Like how hard is it to throw a brick through a window? Yeah. Yeah. And if he's and if he has any kind of weapon or anything, that's going to go through the window too, not the door. Like so, yeah, the windows are a much bigger. If you're actually worried about people, like you know, purge style coming into your house, right, is, right, is, is is definitely the windows are the weak spot, not the solid wood front door that you have already. Right. I don't know. Shane isn't that smart. I mean, I don't know. I really didn't like. I really wasn't a fan of Shane here. I mean, and this is a continuation of last week. Mm-hmm. I like. Like, I feel like he's not actually all that concerned that John is going to show up and Kool-Aid his man, Kool-Aid man his way through the door. <laughs> right. But that he just is really pissed at John and likes coming up with scenarios where he gets to violently attack John. Right. No, he definitely starting to get off on that. And he just gets off on being like, well, if he came into the house, then I could grab a baseball bat and just beat the crap out of him. Right. And that's what he, that's what he wants to do. He's like, so he's imagining scenarios where he gets to be justified in violently attacking John. Right. Well, if you think about how he went to prison in the first place, Shane, it uh-huh. was over, you know, what he would consider like him kind of defending someone's honor. Okay. So I kind of feel like. You know, like, yeah, he really just, you know, uses this as an outlet for something. But he justifies it because he thinks it's like he's doing good, right? So him protecting the family, protecting his pregnant wife justifies him going like psycho on some dude's ass. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, I get the same impression from a lot of like those like uh, doomsday prepper people mm-hmm. is like, I feel like they say it, they justify it like that, right? They justify it with. Well, I got to protect my family. I got to do what it takes. So I have this arsenal of rifles and I have all this this thing about. But really what they like and what the reason they do it is because they like imagining a scenario where they just get to like sit on the top of their house and pick off the people, like shoot people. Like, you know, because it's funny because those people always come up. That's always been a thing. A thing I heard recently is like that. It's like, oh, you'll do anything to protect your family. Okay, what I really need you to do is do the laundry. (laughs) <laughs> like that's gonna protect your family. Like it's gonna keep the germs away. It's gonna do. We need to do laundry regularly. And they're like, well, that's not what I meant. I meant the part where I get to beat somebody up. That's what. I, oh, that's God. how I want to protect my family. And he definitely falls into that same kind of stereotype. Um, I felt really bad for John because it was like you could just tell how hurt he was when he was talking with Miranda. I mean, as yeah, because she told him the pregnancy news, and he was just. I mean, he definitely seemed to kind of. Get it? Let it, it sink in, yeah. Yeah, like let it sink because he just has been very convinced. It was like whatever the Shane thing is temporary. Mm-hmm. Like she's gonna end up back with me. It's just a matter of when. And like but this is like the he first know doubt this of already. That. Like I thought when he was hanging out with the friend that he's living with, weren't uh-huh. they looking through her social media? And he's like, I think they might be pregnant. Oh, I don't know. But I also I don't know. Especially maybe I, I imagine mean, that. Right, and it's. <sighs> And it's especially hurting hurts him when he talks about like what happened when they got pregnant. 
like to be like, oh, this is a decision you made with him, but not with me. Yeah. Like, even though I'm sure that isn't even because it was probably years ago and their situation oh, yeah. was completely they different. Were very and it's young. Like very young, very different. It might have been her first child, potentially. Yeah. I mean, based on the pictures, and I mean, her oldest isn't even that old. I think her oldest is like seven or nine. Well, or then the other thing too. Oh man, because the other thing he said after that was like, "We thought the one kid might be mine." Yeah, and it wasn't. Like, oh jeez. Wait, were you watching it at that season? I was not. Oh, okay, so what happened with that was they actually had the pregnancy test uh, or the DNA test. The, I should the say. The paternity Sorry. test. Yeah. Yeah, they had the paternity test on the season when they were first on because what happened was they had been saying that Marlo was his son this entire time. And he mm. treated the kids like, uh, you know, like Marlo was his son. And she was like, once her and Shane were kind of together, they were both she was hoping like, against hope that, you know, he wasn't. So Shane definitely was the one who was like, OK, we need to get this DNA test. And then John was a little reluctant because he was just kind of like, well, it doesn't matter. You know, this is my son or whatever. But I mean, he got it. Because Lacey and John weren't together, and I think it thought he thought it would give him more rights. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. I I'm, I'm I'm glad I don't have to know the legal ins and outs of what kind of rights you get. I mean, I know, you know, because right? it was like one thing if you put him on the birth certificate, and then you get the t- I don't even know. That's just it's that's messed up. Like yeah. Oh. All right. So speaking of other things that are messed up, let's go to Brittany and Marcelino. <sighs> so it is a hectic scene in the house as. Everybody's packing and saying goodbyes and everything because the whole damn family is on their way to Alaska with Cynthia. Marcelina is not thrilled to go somewhere so cold, as Miss H will um, (laughs) sympathize with. He was hilarious. (laughs) So it seems like he's just going to mope and complain for pretty much the whole trip. Uh, Cindy doesn't seem to be starting off this trip well because she doesn't want to talk about any of the feelings she has about things like her ex-husband or anybody else she might see. Brittany says that if this doesn't work and Cindy doesn't get any healing and she keeps with her addiction, then she then, you know, she can't be a part of our lives anymore. Now, in Alaska, bundled up Marcelino is ready to hunt some moose before Brittany meets Cindy in the hotel lobby with a knife, by the way. He was making jokes uh, and tells us the plan for the day. They're going to bite the bullet and go see um, Cynthia's mom and abuser, Jackie. As they pull into Jackie's the place Jackie's living, Cindy is freaking out and complaining about having chest pains. Brittany runs us through some of the truly horrific things that Jackie has done in the past as they go in. Uh, When they get there, Jackie seems genuinely surprised to see Cynthia come into the room. And then so Jackie and Cynthia both start to cry. And Jackie gives us some very familiar sounding guilt trip stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, about how we thought you had disowned me and you'd given up on me and I love and miss everybody so much. Yeah. Uh, Very, very familiar sounding. Cynthia then kind of goes in with the talk she came to had to tell Jackie how much, you know, to kind of confront Jackie with the pain she caused in her life. Uh, She says she's grew up, uh, you know, growing up with Jackie was hard and her abuse led to drugs and alcohol because that's all she really got from Jackie. Jackie says, sure, the same with me. Right? It really kind of underscores the cyclical nature of addiction and abuse. And, you know, but eventually Jackie says, you know, I'm sorry, Cynthia. I'm sorry your life turned out the way it did. And then Cynthia asks Jackie to acknowledge her part and how her actions contributed to how hard her life has been. In which Jackie just is like, nope, not my fault. I didn't give you drugs. I didn't put a pipe in your mouth. I didn't give you the bottle. Can't blame me. So Cynthia then recounts some like seriously messed up things that happened during her childhood. And Jackie says, well, I didn't know about those things. You should have told me about them so I could fix them. And then at this point, Cynthia gets up and leaves. And Brittany becomes very upset because both of them feel very strongly that Jackie knew very well what was going on at the time. Brittany says that she's scared Cindy is going to end up just in that same kind of boat, just like Jackie at some point. So, I mean, I don't know. I think I feel like I know where you stand. Do you believe Jackie or do you believe Cynthia and Brittany that she did or did not know the abusive things that her friends were doing? I think that maybe she didn't know specifically, but she had to at least known that she was introducing bad actors into her kids' lives. 
Yeah. You know, and then at that point, it's kind of like you should just assume the worst if these are bad people. Right. Yeah. And you're and in you're in a protective motherly role. Right. You should just assume the worst is going to happen. and You should do your best to protect these kids, which means not having these people around your kids. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I, 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 I definitely think it's one of those things that I would imagine that she's like, you should have told me. And I think Cynthia's thing is I did tell you and you didn't believe me. Um, right. So I, 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 maybe she didn't know, like fully understand, but she, I think she should have been aware, like, and that I feel like she was told and didn't believe that's a lie. Why are you making up things about my friends? Right. Things yes. like that. Instead of being like, oh sure. no, my friends did these terrible things to you. You know. Right. Right. And so at the end of the day, she was like, eh, whatever. I could definitely see it going down like that. I think what's really frustrating, and especially with a woman of Jackie's age, uh-huh. someone who is getting towards the end and like reflecting back, right? Because she even, you know, said, you know, that she was alone. She thought her family had disowned her. They had given up on her. You would think that she would be reflective enough to take some kind of ownership or responsibility. And I think that's what made Cynthia so frustrated is Jackie started off by saying, I'm so sad. I'm so sorry that, you know, you had a bad childhood. But the once the moment that Cynthia blamed her life for, well, why do you think like I got into drugs? She's like, well, I, you know, didn't do that. And I think that was like the moment that Cynthia was just like, I'm done. You're yeah. not going to take responsibility for anything. I can't, and I can't blame her. I don't understand. I don't understand that mentality. I don't really don't of like, I mean, I get yeah that, that she said, my family has abandoned me. They've disowned yeah. me. It's totally their fault. Fuck them. Like they right. need to come back to me. I did nothing wrong. Like it's like you clearly, maybe you didn't do anything that's wrong at the time, but you have to come back and be like, I clearly did something that. Right. What that was my this role? What was my role this? in that? It, it was, it was not a one person, but then that's a very frustrating type of person to deal with is a person who is like everything bad that happens to them is your fault. And everything bad that happens to you is your fault. And I think what's frustrating about this is, you know, clearly there has been a family history of abuse. And this is definitely a cycle that I hope Brittany can break. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's kind of like, how do you not empathize with your daughter when you went through the same thing? being the daughter of someone else who was just the same amount of or types of issues that your family had? Yeah, it just she sounded so much like Cynthia. It was, oh, yeah, and I, I wonder if Cynthia did. could hear that. Yeah, you know, I really yeah, do I wonder if she could hear that. Um, just because the number of times Cynthia's like, my her childhood was hard, and there's her automatic response is, well, mine was harder. Yeah, like, and so she, so I mean, so she, they both kind of have that. I can't be blamed for what I do because I've been through a lot, yeah. and like, yes, going through a lot does suck, and going through a lot does kind of drive you into being that but at some point like you have to admit yes i was through a lot and i didn't handle it like i should have and that made me in turn hurt this other person right, because i right. did hurt that other person i didn't not hurt them because i had a rough childhood that caused me to hurt them like it's still me that did that but it was just yeah excuses and it's like i don't i can't it just doesn't make any sense to even if you were like i don't really believe i'm at fault but I want to say the right words so they don't leave me again. Right. Like, that's what I don't even get. At minimum. Like, I'm trying, you know, like, my heart is in the right place. I want the family back together again. I want it just, you know, be all good vibes. It's like, why couldn't you just take a little bit of ownership just to have that? Yeah. I don't, it's, it's, I can't imagine standing on that grudge, like holding on to that grudge before, like, even if it costs you your family. Yeah. Like, that's, that's insane is. to me. All right. Uh, moving on to someone who does not hold a grudge, uh, Chevelle. So, <laughs> D-Mark splits oh because God. he can't even stand to see Quaylen's face. Chevelle asks Quaylen to take, or sorry, Chevelle asks D-Mark to take Myela. Chevelle then gets all serious and says that she wants to talk to Quaylen. And she tells him, you know, okay, listen, we have to talk on the Ferris wheel. She plans on trapping him and demanding a commitment. She says that she wants a commitment, but not like a promise ring. 
Quaylen is quiet, and then he takes out a big ring box and shows her the ring as she smiles. He gets down on one knee in the Ferris wheel car and then asks if she'll marry him as he waves the ring back and forth in her face. Chevelle is over the moon excited, while Quaylen is hamming it up, saying a bunch of random jokes. He then ends it with a, I love you, man. Chevelle laughs and then cries. She says she feels secure now. Quaylen says that she deserves it because she saved his life. He then quips that she should tell Demark that. Okay, so I feel like Quaylen really only proposed because it was either that or he loses her. So how Fair. long do you think it will take for them to actually get married? Uh, I don't think they're getting married. Okay. <laughs> so that's, right. a, that's a infinity time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I think, I, I don't know, I still think we are on the same page we were from last year. Yes, I think he decided he wanted her back because he doesn't have her. Right. right? And so he'll do whatever it takes. And mm-hmm. this is what it takes. Yeah. Now that he has her, he's going to immediately start being less and less interested as time goes on. I definitely see that. But I what I see happening is her being super excited about wedding planning. I mean, she's the kind of sure. person that oh, has yeah. very specific ideas. Oh, she already has a she already has a Pinterest board. Yeah, we already Yes. <laughs> like she's not the type of person where Quaylen's like, "Yep, let's get it done right now. Let's go to the uh, you know, the courthouse." She would be like, "No, I have ideas. I want yes. this kind of cake, I want this kind of dress, I want this kind of ceremony, I want this kind of like background." She yeah, has no ideas. Doubt. Uh So I feel like she's going to start planning, you know, making it this whole extravagant thing. This is going to stress him out because every time she makes a new plan, he realizes, oh, my God, we're getting married. It's getting closer. Yes. And he's going to start freaking out. He's going to start making excuses of why. Oh, you know, baby, shouldn't I have a job for a while? Then he's going to have a job. Oh, but I don't really have vacation time. Like, you know, maybe, you know, I'm just making up all these excuses just to put it off. And then choosing everything. Every time she gets him involved in the planning becomes a fight because he doesn't want to really choose anything. Because every time you choose something new, every time you make another decision, it gets closer and closer. So they do that thing where they go to the different venues and he Uh just rejects all of them. Like, I don't like this place. I don't like this place either. I don't like this place either. Right, right. And then after that happens, like, uh, you know, they get in a fight. So, like, it's in a questionable place where their relationship is. And so to even get it to the place where they're, like, still in a relationship, that makes her feel good about moving forward, even though, really, she's kind of taken a step back. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I can totally see it ending in either ending, right, that Mm -hmm. whatever. I think he does the same thing again, repeats. Maybe they go on repeat and they just keep the same cycle going on for Right, but it looks a little different because it's a different context. Now there's a wedding involved. That's the thing is that now there's a – but I could see that. Now there's a a, a ring involved. Yeah. I think once the wedding starts getting involved, it's going to be again, like, hey, wait, 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 wait. Weddings, actually planning dates and stuff. And, you know, so I don't know that he – quite has gotten to the level of commitment because I think he just said his thought process for proposing to her was, I think you're absolutely right. Uh This is what it takes right now to keep her. I mean, this is what we've said about this couple since the beginning. And I think that's why for me, they're less interesting. This is honestly just a typical relationship. (laughs) I would say like, you know, like typical relationship problems when you have someone who is, and we've talked about uh, the attachment styles, when you have someone who is an avoidant with someone who is an anxious attacher. This Mm -hmm. is like your anxious avoidant trap. And so it's kind of like, "Mm, the fact that he's in prison makes no difference. No, you're in right. This you're right. And it makes sense. And that, that kind of goes with what we were saying because once she kind of gave up on the relationship mm-hmm. and she was like hard to get, that's when the avoidant person was like, oh, I like this. This is yeah. nice. I want this back. Right, right. <laughs> but when she's like really in it, then it, it turns him off. I, yeah. So you're right. It's just kind of a relationship. Very much <laughs> yeah. fair enough. All right. So moving on, last up is Andrea and Lamar our favorites. Oh, God. They but weren't so bad. Like they, it was interesting. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a reason they weren't so bad. And yes. we'll talk about it. It seems like Andrea, Lamar, and Priscilla are on their way to see Shantae. Andrea says she'll do her best to keep cool. But if Shantae can't keep cool, then she's just asking for it. And I can't make any promises. <laughs> Andrea seems very confident that Shantae is going to be rude to her and ruin the whole thing. 
When they get there, we see Shantae and her children, Devante and Trinity, who are technically Priscilla's nephew and niece, even though she's in between them in terms of age. Lamar really has a hard time wrapping his head around that one. The kids go off to play in their rooms and the adults sit down in the other room to have a talk. Lamar says that Shantae is disappointed, um, she, this is in an interview, to see more of her father after he got out of prison, but instead his time has been mostly spent with Andrea and in that side of his family. So then when they start the talk, Shantae opens up by saying how hard it is on her that she basically always has, has had to and has to continue to fight just to see her father. As Lamar starts by saying this isn't Andrea's fault, Andrea interrupts him? Yeah. She says, I need to talk. She says that she just wants to be accepted and that Shantae says, well, I don't really know you well enough to know how to react to that. <laughs> so that at this point, Lamar decides to leave the room so they can talk alone. I wasn't sure why he did that at all. But the two of them, but then Andrea starts talking about her concerns. Uh, that she's getting the blame for Lamar not being there, even though that she blames Lamar. Shante says she feels like kind of jealous that Lamar was able to form a bond with her and her children and that she kind of wants in on that family dynamic. And then Andreas explains why she was so concerned. She thought Shante would be a huge brat and bring lots of drama into her that would poison her innocent children. Surprisingly, I mean, she says it calm, like Shante just kind of takes this in stride and says, oh yeah, I understand that as a mother. And they stay calm and the conversation just kind of closes with the understanding that it seems with the understanding that Shantae will be a bigger part of everybody's lives. And then we get to the commercial segment, which go to Tennyson and Nyla this this week. So Nyla's grilling Tennyson about his dating life because according to Mormon staters, you can start group dating when you're 16 and he's 18. So he just kind of says he really isn't interested in the Mormon church dances and stuff. And there's nobody he really has his eye on. Going the other way, when they ask about Nyla's dating life, she says she's not really interested in guys that way right now. But she gets a lot of crap from everybody in the family about, um, you know, being wearing revealing clothing in public and on social media. And they all wish she would dress more like Billie Eilish. All right. <laughs> so, all right. Going back, like, do you think Andrea was like trying to bait this into being a problem. That's the impression I got. She was trying to bait this into being a problem and it didn't work. Yeah, kind of like, or it's just playing it up. I mean, we've said from day one that Andrea is acting her ass off, right? She's yes. really trying to make this show or a spinoff happen. So trying to like tease drama where there is no drama because she was very unlike herself in this episode. She was very composed and articulate. She was somewhat understanding. I mean, even Priscilla, she told her before they walk in, you know, be nice to Shantae. I like her. Like, knowing full well, mom's a bitch. Like, <laughs> yes. she's gonna be real mean. <laughs> yes. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know. It, maybe it was just me. Maybe it was just the way it caught me. I felt like what she said to Shantae was calm and collected. Yes. But super rude and like out of line. And yeah. I, I feel like, like saying she Shantae was, was a brat? Come on. Yeah. I just assumed you were a brat that I didn't want around my children. You were a, you would be a, a person that would endanger the lives of my children and may, turn them into monsters was basically what she told her. I was like, what the? You don't even know me. And so, like, but I think I just kind of got the impression that that's what she was hoping for out of Shantae was for her, Shantae to then kind of take offense at that, start to get a little bit of attitude, start to get a little bit of back talk. And now I'm now Andrea, the person can come out and, and, and go buck wild on you because you've disrespected me. Like, and like Shantae was smart enough to not bite. Right. I mean, she's really, from what we've seen of her, she is classy and she's really sweet. Yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing we've seen from Shantae at all to, like, justify anything Andrea's been afraid of. No, no. Right? Definitely and, not. And, and it, so it's just Far like. a better person than Andrea. Yes. Yeah. I mean, why did Lamar leave the conversation, though? That seemed like a really awkward time it for him to did. do so. It did. It was like they are not in a place quite yet. 
Yes. But I don't know. I feel like they splice it. You know, it's like one of those things where sure, they've sure, maybe sure. been talking for a couple hours. Yeah, and just that's the way it was fair. edited. Yeah, they edit it like just him leaving out. They say that this one thing. I don't know, but the way the way they cut it was definitely like very weird. Like, oh, gee, this is somebody I don't really know very well, and it's like, well, <laughs> I let the common link between you two just up and leave, so you can awkwardly hash it out yourself. <laughs> Y'all can fight amongst yourselves now. <laughs> okay, do you believe that? Andrea's kids are not dating or not. Okay, no, forget dating. I believe that they're not dating, that they're yes. not even interested in dating. No, I don't believe they're not interested in dating. I believe they know their mom and are like, oh, my God. I, She's going to watch this. She, Yeah, they know she's going to watch this. But I think even in terms of like actually dating, there's like two things. First of all, I'm terrified of what my mom's going to do to me if she finds out I'm actually dating. Yeah. And second of all, I would never bring another person into that situation like could you imagine like how are you going to go out and go on a date when that person's like when you're like oh i have to hide you from my mom because if she finds out about you it's She's going to be, be all busy up in here yeah and it's like so and that that how do you form a any kind of relationship with that do i and so i believe tennyson's version of it more just kind of like no there's nobody out there that i'm really all that interested in right now and then have we ever even considered this apparently the way they were kind of talking about it it seems like uh andrea would really only approve of people they would meet on these mormon group dates so maybe they're interested in dating people outside of the mormon group date people and then they're not interested in not dating it's just not interested in dating the people that mom would approve of Yes. And so, I, yeah, I don't buy Nyla's, like, she's old enough to be like, I don't even think of guys that way. It's like, yeah, okay, I yeah, know, you do. Right. Yeah, right. Come yeah, on now. Like, yeah, but, and it might not be, like, I, I totally get being, like, her age and being like, my mom would not let me date. So why would I waste my energy thinking of guys in that way? I'm like, mm-hmm. I think guys are hot and think they're, uh, you know, attractive. That would be nice to, like, you know, be with him, but not, like, actually conceptualize maybe I could flirt with them and ask them right. out and like because that's not happening so why would I think about that yeah yeah definitely so it's so yeah but definitely not the I don't see guys that way no but I call shenanigans I definitely got the impression I definitely got the impression from Tennyson just his kind of by what he's not saying because you know he can't say things out loud that right. he's not all that interested in Mormon girls and that's not going to go over well with his mom yeah. Well, I don't know. Her mom may appreciate that a little bit. Well, his, his, his mom married a non-Mormon, so. Yeah, she married a non-Mormon. And I think it's because she wanted to marry a black man, you know? And it's kind of like, it's not that there aren't other black Mormons, but, I mean, you're definitely looking at a much smaller pool of people. It, yeah, you're definitely you're definitely cutting down your, your applicant pool there <laughs> if you make black Mormons, yes. Right, like, right. Like, not that, again, not that there aren't any, but. It's a much smaller slice. Yes, definitely. All right. So that about wraps up this week. So who did you have as your student of the week? I went with Shantae. Um, okay. Just for, I mean, she's been the only person we've seen that can, you know, outwit um, Andrea in terms of God. not making her an explosive, crazy person. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so it was it was tough to find someone worthy of Student of the Week, as it always seems to be. So I went with Marcelino because there were a couple lines he had this week that just really made me laugh. Uh-huh. Like his whole, if I had hair, I'd pull it out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his defense of, you know, his people are from the South, where it's a lot warmer. He's like, it's the Caribbean. We're from yep. the Caribbean. <laughs> I'm not used to this nonsense. Right. Yeah. So for entertainment value, Marcelino has my student of the week. Fair. Okay. What about your dunce? <sighs> Chevelle. I went with Chevelle too. Idiot. That is idiot. Yes. Like, oh my God, you're going to marry this dude? No, what an idiot. So Holy terrible. crap. Okay. Anytime, and this isn't even my life lesson, but anytime you go from maybe broken up to engaged, that there's something not right <laughs> one, there. One Ferris wheel ride. It's like a major step. <laughs> Right. It's like, it's that, that same thing. He's like, ah, oh, and you know, comes back. I know. I'm sorry I cheated on you, baby. It's going to take a while to um, earn back your trust. Married? 
Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Oh, God, no. Immediately, yeah. So I was like, like yesterday you weren't even like, technically yes. together, at least according by her, uh, you know, status, how she right. would describe you weren't it. Answering, you weren't answering his phone calls, yeah. and now, you now you're engaged. Yeah, how you go from that to engaged? Oh, gosh, yeah. so, so, so dumb. stupid. So stupid. It's just she saw the ring, and she got hypnotized by the ring. It was oh just God, like, she really did. Mary. It's like she's so desperate to be in a stable place. And that's what really makes me feel like this woman is so anxious attacher. You know, uh-huh. it's like, I and I get it because I am too, but it's just like, it also makes you kind of have to, you have to force yourself to step back and be like, you know, do I want to be with this person because of the security they could bring me? Am I in a relationship or am I with this person because of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Yes and no, because it, because you could also be with a person. I think there's a subtle difference that you enjoy because of the stability of the relationship because that's what they're bringing to the table. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's what that person is specifically offering oh, is, sure. a, is a sure. nice, stable relationship. So that's not necessarily the case here. Yeah, this is a work <laughs> in progress, and it's always going to be a work in progress. Right. All right. All right life, lessons life lessons then. So – this one goes to John. If there's a long series of women that are constantly flirting with you and hitting on you, especially when you look like John, like <laughs> you, it's it, the fault is yours and not theirs. Like it's not like oh, I don't know, all these women just flirt with me all the time. It's like no, you're flirting with a lot of women. That's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So my life lesson actually is you know kind of for John. If you would feel uncomfortable about your partner finding out something, you had better tell them yourself, especially if there's a chance that someone else could tell them with a different perspective. He didn't even seem like he was on his radar that Tara would say something. No. And it's just like, well, do you really want to wait for Tara's version of what happened? Probably not. So you should probably say something to Christy. Again, it's definitely like that middle school person is like, I would have told you. But I was afraid you wanted to be, we would be mad, so I didn't want to. I didn't. Oh like, it's pretty much so how it goes. I would have told you, but I decided I didn't want you to find out. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. So as far as we know, the, this group is going to be back next week. Well, minus Scott and Lindsay. We have a feeling. Yeah, like we assume Scott done. and Lindsay are, are, are done for done for good. So we might have to reshuffle our back end groupings here. But yes, it seems like they're gone. And it, I, I, I think we have no idea how much longer it is because maybe they did just replace Scott and Lindsay with Chris, John and Christiana here. And that's what happened. Yeah. Because I mean, they've only this is only the second episode that they've been in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, Scott and Lindsay weren't in it last week. And right. this time we pretty much, I mean, it definitely seemed like the send off for the two of them. Yeah, like, definitely. Oh, yeah. Next week, we see Puppy getting some money, making oh, that yes. hus- money. Yes, hustling. I saw that. I was some hustling, some some working behind the scenes. Maybe she can feel like if Puppy lived a different life, she could be really good in finance. Like that's <laughs> it's basically if you if you I feel like if you do it with enough money, they stop considering it a scam and just start considering it. God's business. Like, yes, that's investing. <laughs> that's investing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Okay. Well, we will see you all the next week, then. Uh, All right. Bye. Okay. Bye.